What's up, everybody? It's Radam. I'm back again, and today I'm with another old friend of mine, Shane and Shane Emery, of Say What You Will, Connecticut-based pop punk band, who I've been fortunate enough to play a lot of shows with over the years. And I'm very excited to have Shane on today to talk about his favorite movie. So, Shane, why don't you tell me a little about yourself? Yeah, awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I am in uh, Say What You Will, pop punk alt rock band from uh, New Haven area, Connecticut. We've been at it for a number of years now. Uh, we just released our most recent EP about a year ago at this point, and uh, we're starting to write some new music, get back out there again, and see where we can go. Hell yeah. And like I said, we've been playing shows together for a long time, so it's awesome to get on and talk about something a little bit different, you know, talk about some movies, you know, all the fun stuff. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I was going to say I've been playing shows for many years between some different bands now, so it's uh, it's always good to reconnect and do something like this. I uh, know. It's great, and I love it. So... You want to come on, and I'm I'm surprised it's actually taken this long, but you want to come on and talk about <laughs> Forrest Gump. I thought this would have came up a lot sooner, and I'm pretty excited for it, because there's a lot we can talk about with this movie. Oh my god, man. So I've been listening to you and watching your posts and everything, and I'm like, someone's going to steal it. And I'm like, I just hope one day he asks me so I can talk about Forrest Gump, because it is the best movie ever made. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on to talk about it. I'm even more excited to talk about it with you, because if I'm not mistaken, you are a history teacher, are you not? I am a history teacher, yeah. And I think that, you know, if we were to boil it down, that, you know, the movie might have influenced me in some way, shape, or form in my decisions over the course of my life to get to this point. So, hey, who knows? It was pretty influential. Now, let's do it, though. Let's jump into it. Let's hear about it. So, a little background. It's another Robert Zemix movie. Uh, we talked about him in the past with Back to the Future. Another yes, Tom sir. Hanks movie, which, you know, when it comes to history and, Tom, and movies, Tom Hanks is usually there, usually the guy. Uh, <laughs> almost always, right? Almost always. And for those of you who don't know the movie, it's about uh, Forrest Gump, for the t t titular character. Um, Forrest has a below-average IQ, and it's seeing some of the greatest events in U.S. history and world history through Forrest's eyes. And why don't you explain a little bit more on that, Shane? Yeah, so it follows uh, young Forrest Gump. It starts out with the movies pretty long, but not long in the sense where it feels long because it's just an amazing story. But it starts off in his early life when he's a child, uh, and it shows the hardships that he kind of goes through. Um, he is physically disabled and can't walk or run very well. He wears braces on his legs. Um, like you said, his IQ is below average by a little bit. And uh, it's just his hardships and kind of how he's brought up and how his mother raises him. And again, historically figures that he meets throughout his life and then eventually breaking through those hardships. We see him into uh, adulthood, uh, how he somehow is able to go to college, right? He's able to go on a, a scholarship um, playing football and just all the stuff that happens to him afterwards, how he winds up in the Vietnam War um, and just life of a veteran back home after that war was over. And it ends, you know, way down the line in his life after all these things have happened to him and different characters in and out of his life throughout his, you know, the whole movie. And again, just the historical aspect of it, I think is so funny because they did an amazing job with the CGI back then. I mean, in the early nineties, you don't really think of movies having amazing CGI and I'm sure it could be better done today, obviously, but the fact that they were able to put Tom Hanks into so many historical scenes uh, with different presidents, with John Lennon, with a bunch of different characters and individuals throughout history. It's just one of the coolest things to see. Yeah, and to drive that home a little bit too, I was reading, it won six Ox six Oscars, and one of the six was Best Visual Effects. Yeah, they, they crushed it. Um, you know, it's one of those movies where I think there's a lot of 
information that people might not know about. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know the name of it. I didn't watch it, but I think there was some sort of documentary that came out in recent years. I want to say post COVID um, talking about Forrest Gump. Maybe it was an episode on some TV show that was diving into different movies and details, but the investment in this movie from all of the people involved was just incredible. And it, Tom Hanks even took a pay cut. I think he might've even not been paid up front for the movie. And he paid for certain scenes in the movie to happen because they were going to shut down shooting on it at one point or something along the lines of that. So everybody involved in the movie was so invested. I think it shows at the end. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know any of that. That's amazing. A little fact to know. And it really does show at the end. I mean, you look at what the movie created, like I said, six Oscars, best adapted screenplay, best picture, best actor, best director, best visual effects, best film editing, uh, the cultural phenomenon that came from it, you know, some of the most quotable lines, you know, life's like a Absolutely. box of chocolates, uh, run for us, run. I mean, it shows in the end why they were so invested. And I think all of that investment, all of that love for this movie is why it did so well. It came out so good. It's just, I remember that. So, I guess a little background on how it became my favorite movie, why I care about this movie so much. I've seen this movie more times than I'm comfortable sharing, to be honest with you. I mean, it's just one of those movies, my comfort movie, hands down, which is a weird comfort movie to have. But um, I remember, so growing up, my parents were divorced. I would go to my dad's house certain days, mom's house certain days, whatever. But whenever I went to my dad's house, my brother, who's about three or four years younger than me, he and I would always watch a new movie with him. And, you know, I think growing up, we always, you know, playing around with friends, like some would always like shout out run for us, run or something stupid like that, not knowing where it came from. And I don't remember how old I was. It had to be like maybe 12, 13 when I finally saw the movie and I watched it and I was just hooked instantly. So I remember my dad was playing it for us. My brother being a little younger, I don't think was as into it as I was, but it's since become a very big favorite movie of his too. But um, man, I, that movie, I was hooked afterwards. I watched it a million more times and it just kind of stuck. And again, I think, you know, uh, Tom Hanks is my favorite actor of all time, hands down. Uh, but this probably started that for me as well, being a fan of his. And it's funny, you know, you brought up in the intro the idea of how he's in so many historical films. Half the movies I use in my classroom about history, I feel like Tom Hanks stars in them. But, um, you know, Forrest Gump, I have used it in the past to kind of talk about the Vietnam War era and what life was like for, you know, GIs that came back uh, to the U.S. afterwards, how they weren't received with open arms. And um, it's just amazing to kind of use it in a historical context. And that was one of the things, too, is that Tom Hanks and I believe a few of the producers very much so they knew it was going to be historically looking at a lot of different elements and they wanted it to stay as true as Hollywood would allow them to. And I think they did a pretty good job with it. I think there's, I, I think they did for sure. Um, you know, to see a lot of these events and like you said, to actually have him like visually imposed into some of these events, you know, like going to the White House and getting the award <laughs> and having him actually put, you know, the medal on him. Like those, a lot of these yeah. scenes were really just so well done and looked so real. And like he, he walked through history, like being at uh, the MLK march in DC and, you know, just somehow being up on the stage somehow. I mean, it's, it really is so good. It's crazy. I think it was, I mean, again, you know, the 90s, I think, was a turning point for 80s and 90s was a turning point for a lot of different technologies within movies, for sure. But I feel like it was way ahead of its time. Like it holds up today pretty well. So it's 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 cool to watch back again. I mean, anytime it's on TV, I just stop everything I'm doing. I just hyper focus on it and watch it. Well, that's like one thing I could say about like Tom Hanks movies, too, is like they really do hold up. Like you can go back, you can watch that thing you do. You'll feel good every time you can watch. Yep. You can watch Saving Private Ryan, but, you know, just be prepared because that's a long 
a long, hard movie, but like it, it yeah. holds the test of time, and it's a great movie to watch. You know, absolutely. It's I, I joke with my classes sometimes that anytime we see something historical where there's a, a tragedy of sorts or something goes wrong, Tom Hanks is probably going to be in the movie. Um, it's like I teach a maritime history course, and we just at the end of the year we watched Captain Phillips to talk about what modern day piracy looks like. Um, so it's just interesting. He's in like all these different historical films from, you know, all different eras, but regardless, he crushes it every time. That's no, true. He did. What did he do? He did the, he did the, uh, Captain Sully, uh, Sully, Eric yep, on the yep. Hudson. Uh, what else the other one did? Yeah. He did the, was it the Boston Globe or the Wall Street one or? I think, yeah, he was in a, he's been in so many different things. I mean, it, it's hard to kind of, it's funny. I try and keep track of all the movies and I feel like I have something with him in it from like every historical era that I teach. It's so in um, Bridge of Spies, for instance, he was in for Cold War, right? So it's, he's, he's just done a little bit of it. The guy's very well-rounded with his history, I feel. Yeah. And he, he truly, truly has a deep love for him. I mean, even things he's not in, yeah. you know, he, uh, Band of Brothers, the Pacific. I mean, some of the greatest war war uh entertainment of all time has been done by him or included him in some way shape or form yeah he does a lot behind the scenes a lot in front of the camera he's uh he's pretty good when it comes to history i, th I think i have to definitely give a nod to him considering i've used him so much uh to help teach certain ideas and certain uh you know events that have happened so you touched a little bit on why it's your favorite movie. So let me ask you this. Is, is, did this have a uh, big impact on your uh, future career as a teacher, as a history teacher per se? Man, looking back now, I feel like the answer has to be yes. I don't think I knew in the moment. I think it was one of those like subconscious things that was happening. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I it's funny too because the era that I enjoy teaching the most, I'd say, is that era, right? A little before and a little after, but it's included within there. Um you know, anything in the 20th century, I think is awesome. There's just so much that happened in world and American history for that matter. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. The movie just, it, it hit so many things for me. Um, and I think it definitely had some influence. I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing that we can read a book and get a picture in our head of what's going on. And then for those of us who aren't the biggest fan of that, we can watch a movie and still get that information and get that visual. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with using movies to learn a little bit of history, as long as you know what you're watching is true, false, or somewhere in between. 100%. And it's, I love hearing that too, because, you know, doing this, you know, you can go watch a movie that's not even about history, just a movie that was made at a different time and learn something about history just by something they're talking about within the movie. Absolutely. I took one of the best courses I ever took was uh, U.S. History Through Film in college. It was a summer course. I took it because I was like junior going on to senior year. I'm like, let me kill another credit here. And it sounded like an awesome course. And I was majoring in history anyway. So I was like, hey, why not have a more laid back course? It wasn't laid back. It was so informational. I learned so much. And then the movies weren't about historical events. They're about the culture of the history at that time the movie was made. So it was it was just incredible to see some you know major faces, major actors, major events that were kind of portrayed. But even so, just the culture of how people acted in, um, you know, just live their daily lives. That's what I try and teach is that everyday people make history. And I think, you know, I don't know if you were a big history fan in high school. I know a lot of kids are not. And I try and take it upon myself to, you know, um, use media and methods that will help them see that everyday people can actually make a big difference. And they do make a big difference. And then they they usually get a little something out of it that way. I, I actually was. I was a big, big history nerd. I love very good at American history pretty good at global history too but a lot of it came down to like you were saying too it's just 
watching movies, watching TV, going out and seeing things, just listening to people talk. And it's just so interesting that, like you said, to learn so much about history from not just the major events to the most minute little things or like walking through town and seeing a building and say like, oh, wow, that's like one of the most famous baseball players or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like you get that from Forrest Gump, right? I mean, you can see what, I mean, both of us growing up more so in New England in the North, we can kind of see what life was like down in the South, which really isn't all that far away from us, but still we're not exposed to that culture nearly as much. So we can see historically what life was like to grow up in the South from the fifties to the nineties when you're watching something like Forrest Gump. And it's, it's a big difference, right? The things they dealt with and the things that, you know, kind of continue to go on. Um, they all stem from something and from somewhere. And we kind of can see certain origins of that in the movie. And it's, it's just, it's really cool to see a different kind of, you know, lifestyle portrayed from what we have up here. hundred percent. And it's, it's one of the things I love about movies too, is like as much as I love to go in and be entertained and like see this new story or something else, there is always this side of you, like you like learning something, like whether it be something about how the movie's made, how it's shot, finding a new song through the soundtrack or something, whatever it is, it's one of my favorite things is you go in and you find something you like. Dude, talking about soundtracks, what what a soundtrack we got in our hands here. It's like the pinnacle of classic rock going on with uh with some of these songs we got. I know. And like one of the things that they did so well was every era of the music was for the era like he's in vietnam and his music they would have been listening to in vietnam he's yeah. in the 90s listening to music was in the 90s and it's a really I, I gotta look i didn't look up i should have wrote down his name especially being that we are a music-based podcast <laughs> as well as a film-based podcast who did the soundtrack um that's you know i, I actually know. don't know that either that's a, a good person's name that we should get on a list here because they they killed it alan silvestri is who did this one he He's done a lot of Robert, uh, Robert Zemix, and he's done a okay. lot of Tom Hanks, it seems. He's done uh, Back to the Future, All Who right. Framed Robert Ra- Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, Castaway, Oof. Predator, The Bodyguard. Seems like we have a posse of people that work together quite a bit over here, huh? I, I think we do. <laughs> what? Well, it's actually quite interesting because I know, like, because I did like film and like uh, editing and all that kind of stuff in college, and yeah. I, just meeting people, and that's basically what they told me. It's just like, yeah, you find somebody you like working with, let alone their, let alone a friend or something, and you know, you'll just keep collaborating, collaborating, collaborating. Yeah, and you know, I was listening to uh, TJ was talking about Back to the Future with you, and I was listening to that episode a while, a little while back, and um, I, I had no idea that you went and studied film at school. I had no clue. Yeah, I did. Uh, so I have a, I have a two year, but I did it right here at Dutch Community College, and I nice. went. I had. Absolutely zero idea what I want to do with my life. So I started doing communications. And I started doing, I took a like a little screenwriting class and got just super invested. And um, from there, just basically tracked out into like editing and doing other film related things. And actually, one of the best film classes I ever took was like a world history of world film. Okay. So we did like Kurosawa. We did like other other countries too. Like one of one of my more one of my most. Uh, most fun ones from that I have to tell people is there's a, uh, it's called a Miscreants of Tallywood. Okay. And it's about, actually, you would find this interesting being that you're a history teacher. Um, it's about this, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a documentary about this, uh, Australian guy who goes to Pakistan and becomes basically a staple in Pakistani cinema. And it's uh-huh. an amazing, it's an amazing, uh, 
It's definitely worth looking up. It's a crazy, amazing uh, documentary. Uh, Five Broken Cameras, another really good one. It's about the um, Israel-Palestine uh, feud, but it's uh, shot by just some random guy on the border there who goes through five cameras. But just some of the stuff you learn, some of the stuff you see, and they start breaking down the movies. It's really just, I was sucked in, and I, I think that created a lot of the scene file that I am. Hey, listen, like we said, it all starts somewhere, but that's awesome, man. I had, again, I had no idea that you, you went to school and studied it and kind of continued from there. It's really awesome stuff. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. And since we're talking about the soundtrack, you know, this amazing soundtrack that Alan Silvestri did, who apparently is very good at just finding amazing rock music and putting him <laughs> in, in movies because, you know, he found Huey Lewis and put him in, yeah. uh, put him in Back to the Future. So absolutely. He knows what he's doing, this guy. Exactly, and would you say that uh, his soundtrack from Forrest Gump inspired you in any of your music career? That you're oh doing? man, you're, I don't. Are you a classic rock guy? I were, were you ever a classic rock guy? I, I I think everybody at some point was a classic rock guy. You're and gonna I, I hate me. <laughs> I was never a classic rock guy. I don't know what it was. Um, growing up um, in high school, and you know when I first started to play guitar and stuff, all my friends were really big into classic rock and it was you know we have a station over here 99.1 plr i don't know if it ever reaches where you've been but it's um it's all classic rock all the time and for whatever reason like i got into acdc a little bit but i never got into more than that for classic rock so i listen i appreciate it i love it i think the soundtrack is freaking amazing there's no doubt about it but musically i can't i can't i can't take any credit from this one i don't think it influenced me with anything I, I'm like the biggest hater of guitar solos, which is just a terrible thing as a guitarist. I could find you, as a vocalist, I could find you very many vocalists who just got very excited by that sentence. <laughs> Listen, uh, we the guitarists that don't like solos were out there, I promise you. Uh, we hide in the shadows a lot, though, because that's an embarrassing thing to say as a guitarist. Um, I don't know, man. Listen, again, I love the soundtrack. I think it's so fitting for everything going on. I think that there's... Uh, again, it just pushes the story forward and it helps the character development in some way also in the setting development too. But yeah, man, I don't know. Like listening to that versus playing it, it's never been my thing. So let me ask you this question then, a little bit of a sidebar. Yeah. What what was your, like, your real invite like to get into guitar and music then? It was not yeah, I, so it kind of is twofold. The first one is the silly one. I'll start with that. I always want to learn how to play the James Bond theme song love that as a kid like i just always want to learn how to play and my uncle has played bass um and dabbled with guitar obviously too but he's a bass player he's been playing bass for like 50 something years uh and he got me my first guitar and that's the first thing he tried to teach me on it and i don't think i ever actually learned how to play the song but that was what i always i was a huge james bond fan as a kid and i wanted to learn how to play the theme song the other thing that pushed me into it was um in middle school, I started listening to bands like Blink-182, um, you know, Sum 41 was huge as well. And then those guys, again, in the pop punk scene and the punk scene in general, just kind of pushed me in Green Day. Uh, I really loved those guys. And then I started to branch into bands like Incubus um, in high school. And then I was listening to bands like Dispatch even, which is, again, kind of on the jammier side of things. But and then I found my way back, you know, Four Year Strong, some of the heavier stuff. Vanna, I was a big Vanna fan for a long time still love them um you know in i for whatever reason i really love the bands that were regional like a loss for words is one of my favorite bands of all time um hostage com from connecticut was huge for me too yeah uh you know kind of going from like high school to college is when i would listen to them quite a bit but yeah it, it's so funny to see the 
the difference of kind of where I came from listening to bands like, you know, Dave Matthews and OAR and stuff like that. And the kind of stuff I play now, I mean, one of my favorite bands of all time right now is knocked loose and there's no correlation between those two bands whatsoever, those two styles at all. So it's kind of funny. It's really funny though. Cause I think you might be the first musician I've had on who wasn't like, yeah, I wanted to play like, a ro- I want to play rock and roll. I want to play like classic rock. And then I found yeah. this band and I went that route. No, dude, my, my music upbringing was so bizarre. I, I still think about it sometimes and try and pinpoint it. And I struggle because I was just all over the map. Like uh, there's a, a venue close by in New Haven called Toad's Place. I'm not sure if you've ever been through there before. Very classic venue, but my uncle would bring me to see shows there all the time. Uh, and then I would start seeing bands like State Radio. I was a big State Radio fan for a long time. Who was the? It was the um, one of the singers of Dispatch. Kind of made like this uh, offshot reggae alt rock political band, uh, and it was awesome. I loved listening to them, and they kind of pushed me into like the you know the harder stuff as far as like alt rock can be a little bit heavier sometimes, and kind of taking it from there. But yeah, my my musical like influence is so all over the place. Like what I play now is not at all what I grew up listening to, which is just really kind of funny. That's I, I like that though, because it's different. I like I love I love you know, every day I love I love hearing things like be the same from time to time. But when I come on and I hear somebody's like, Yeah man, no, not me. Like this is different and like this is what I did. I, I like that almost more because not everybody's the same. That's true. No, it's very true. I mean it's you know I can't imagine playing anything other than pop punk, alt rock, anything in that realm is, is where I am happiest writing and playing and performing. But as far as like what I listened to earlier, I was very late to the scene in all honesty, you know, it took me probably like, again, I listened to the classic kind of, you know, Green Day, Blink, Sum 41, Newfound Glory. I knew those guys. I listened to them. I loved them, but I didn't really start getting into the other bands kind of within the scene until probably late high school early college for the most part which again i was very very late to the party we had that in common actually because i was like you said like when 82 some 41 and then i want to say like so i grew up in the very very deep in the in the uh skiing community where if you know you'd ask me before uh 18 19 what i was gonna be i was either gonna be a pro skier or a ski bum at least one of the two <laughs> there you go and um but that community was very similar to like the skating community with music. So it's all like stuff like Wu Tang or 90s rap, or then you turn around and like it jump into like Mill and Colin, Lagwagon, Strung Out. So I was like a big, big like skate punk kid. So I'd listen to like, I'd listen to like my Incubus and like some 41 and like Matchbox 20. Like I loved it all. But like I, I would go drive around like 15, 16 in my car and I'd be listening to like Strung Out, Mill and Colin. There you like, go. I was going to say, totally different from where you're at now, right? And then I discovered the Wonder Years and went down this completely yeah. different rabbit hole. So when you say late to like this scene for like what we're both doing, I I 100% understand you. Yeah, dude, I, I'm I'm happy I'm not the only one. I mean, I caught the Wonder Years thankfully like right as Upsides was was really building up steam, and I'm so happy I stayed in that train because they are one of my all time favorites in the entire world. But I was literally moments away from missing that. <laughs> you know, just yeah. some of the timing just worked out. Not same. Like I was very lucky on that too. I happened to stumble across them like in 2010, like right just before they yeah. put out the upsides, and I timed it perfect because they put that out, and I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> it's like this is amazing. Yeah, and it's you know it's so funny because um, I I often like I have a playlist on Spotify that's tens of thousands of songs long that I just I just pop everything on there that I've ever kind of listened to. And every now and again, I'll shuffle it and I'll get something really old and be like, "Oh, could I use this now?" 
Like, could I interject this into something I'm doing now? Which is, it doesn't always work. Sometimes it does. But it's just kind of funny to see where you came from. It's true. And, like, one, my take on that, too, is, like, there's always a place for something like that. It's always good to go back and look because it's – I've always been a big proponent that when you're writing guitar or vocals, whatever you're writing, even if you're writing, like, a movie or something, you want something familiar, but that's also new. So not like not like all these movies that are going back and re- literally like remaking their movies. Like. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, it's um to find influence from something that was important to you at some point in your life. Um, I think it's always good to go back to that. I think that's an important thing, whether it be music or whether it be a movie or whether it just be a story or a environment, whatever. It's important. It's important to to know where you came from, whether it be good or not so good, and you work with that. Exactly. And especially, you know, with a movie like Forrest Gump, you know, someday that might be how some people learn about this history that they didn't, they didn't know about, you know, maybe it's not something that'll be taught at that point, because it is so long ago, or it is, you know, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the, the hiccup, I guess, we're having as history teachers now is that as time goes on, obviously, more and more history is going to keep happening. And at some point, we're going to have to kind of decide what we skip, uh, which is, kind of an inappropriate thing to say, right? Because all history is important. Everybody's history is important. Um, not just the history that you would see in a textbook, but the stories that were left out of that are even more important a lot of the time. And it's sadly, we're, we're at that point now where there are some, we don't have enough time in the year to hit certain things. And I think Forrest Gump and movies like that are going to play a very major role for what I do, at least, because they are typically appropriate for an older audience to see. And, you know, although not completely historically accurate, at least opens the door for conversation to talk about what was happening at that time period. Right. And so it's it's crazy to think, too, that, I mean, we, we kind of already are there, too. Now, you know, Citizen Kane, one of the greatest, oh, arguably yeah. the best movie ever made, and, like, basically created what would eventually become modern Hollywood. Um, it's It's crazy to think that, this far down the line now, it's already pretty much out of sight and how much further out of sight is going to be and that people might not ever know what that movie was, what it did, the historical meaning behind all of it. Oh, it's it's incredibly sad and scary to kind of think of that reality because, I mean, I, I truthfully did not know Citizen Kane until I took that history class I told you about before. Uh, and we watched it. I think that was the first movie we watched. I was like, oh, my God, like, here we go. Like, this is going to be the best class ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of things like, I mean, even for what we do, like music, right? There's gonna be a lot of music that is unfortunately forgotten at some point. And there's gonna be a lot of movies. I hope my dear Forrest Gump isn't one of them that's ever forgotten. But you know, the reality is that time's going to keep marching on. And it's kind of up to everybody who cares for those things to kind of keep them in the forefront of people's brains. And that's what we're trying to do here. Absolutely. Through podcasts, through music about it, through talking about it, through showing it to the next generation. That's that's what you got to do. That's it, man. That's it. I mean, that's the thing. You know, going back to Forrest Gump because that's what this is all about. I have to say that is something for everybody. I mean, it's a drama. It's a comedy. It's historical. It's just – it's got a little bit – if you like music, there's good music. So you, it, it's kind of all things. And the actors and actresses in there are amazing too. So there's a lot. There's a no, lot. That's true. It's it's a it's a very well rounded movie. The story like the, the story is amazing. Very well done. The acting is amazing. Like like I said, best actor for Tom Hanks in there. Robin Robin uh I'm gonna say name wrong. Robin Wright. I was gonna say Robin White. Robin Wright as you know Jenny is an iconic role. Sally Field is his mother. Gary 
Gary Sinnott's Lieutenant Dan, I think, is one of the most uh, mo- mo- like most seen meme I get on a regular basis. Gary's so. the man. So he, I don't know if you know this. So when the when the movie wrapped and it was all done, and it, I mean, people weren't sure how it was going to do, and Gary saw, you know, what life was like for a lot of veterans. He started the Lieutenant Dan band which he fronts and it's an actual band that will play charity shows and donate all the money, like wounded warriors and different foundations like that. Oh, that's amazing. I yeah. definitely, uh, other than putting a link to that in the episode, dude, it's crazy. I mean, he, I, I at first time I heard about, it, I was like, this is a joke, right? Lieutenant Dan band, but no, it's like he legitimately dedicated a good portion of his life post Forrest Gump to working for veterans after seeing what somebody like Lieutenant Dan went through. And he literally, Again, that I think it shows that even the actors that were in the movie were transformed by the story that was told. Yeah, I mean, look at the cultural phenomenon outside of the movie. I mean, you know, Mikkel T. Williamson's not in the movie long as Bubba, but yet he Bubba Gump Shrimp Company is a legitimate restaurant yeah. around our country. You know, and yeah, they'll tell you, oh yeah, I know it's based off the movie and everything. So it's so funny, and he, I feel the poor guy. He, I don't think he really acted much after. I mean, he did some stuff, obviously, but I don't think he he was, again, trying to be typecasted a lot with with some of the stuff he had in his future after that. Um, But yeah, he was amazing in that movie. That was just such an amazing role for him. Yeah, and one hundred percent. So I have, I do have another question. Being that it it is the nine, it is a nineteen eighty six novel that this is based off. Have you read the book? I have not read the book, which is embarrassing. My girlfriend sitting behind me right now. She is a big uh, book individual. So when we first met. You go through the typical questions of, you know, what's your favorite movie? We both said Forrest Gump, which is just probably one of the most bizarre things <laughs> that, that anybody that's, could that's, say. That's soulmate conversation. <laughs> I, that right is there. soulmate material conversation right there. But yeah, so I have not read the book. Um, however, I know parts of the book. I know that there was a lot that was excluded from uh, the movie. Uh, at one point, he goes to space with a monkey. Um, there's just a lot of weird stuff that doesn't happen. Um, the book to me, it's. I think it was. It was obviously the foundation of everything that happened within the movie, but I think they excluded quite a bit from it just because, again, it was a little far fetched. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think him being in uh, being the first man to walk on the moon would have been <laughs> would have been very uh, good in the movie for sure. Well, I mean, they they wrote a sequel to it. I don't know if you know that they did write a sequel, and they were planning on releasing it in the around the time they were supposed to have the table read is when nine eleven happened. Uh, and they were like, "Nope, we don't. We're not. We're not doing this." And they never came back to it. Well, there is there is a sequel book uh, yes. in '95 called Gump and Co. Which I That's right. Today, yeah. So I didn't read. I didn't get a chance to read anything about it uh, online, but it, I'm gonna have to look that up too because I'm curious yeah. if they did in that. I know. I, I that one I don't know anything about. I just I know it was written. Um, I'm assuming the movie, if there was a sequel, would have been based off of a lot of stuff within that book um but i don't know too much about it unfortunately but yeah it was i I think it's i don't know maybe you as a movie person for sure sometimes not having a sequel could be the greatest thing to happen to a film i 100 percent agree on that now sometimes the sequels are amazing you need them sometimes they're better good example star wars there you go the first three move the first three movies the first trilogy you know you needed the sequels they went they continued the story ended their story that being said, you go look at like, let's take Fast and the Furious, which is now on Fast Ten. And oh my! No hate, no, no hate on the franchise, but you really only needed the first one. 
I get, listen, I'm never going to put someone down. If you like that series, listen, I'm happy for you. I'm happy it's still going, but at some point things have to end, right? I, I agree a hundred percent on that. And especially to, now I'm going to go down this because you yeah, look at yeah. the end <laughs> uh, and you see, you see Brian in Fast and the Furious and he mm -hmm. turns, he's cops are coming. You know, he's taking the fall. Yeah. You didn't need to see it. You already knew. It's like when you watch the Sopranos and it just cuts to black, like, yeah, everybody was pissed, but you know what happened. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't need to see it. You know what happened. He's gone. He's, he's yeah, dead. That's he it. died. That's it. That's it. I mean, yeah, it's... um. Sorry to spoil the Sopranos for anybody. For, say, for spoiler alert. <laughs> the description, maybe. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's funny because, you know, that series, the Fast and Furious series has done so well. And I, I, I saw, I think, the first two, and that was probably about it. Um, but man, if people are still going out and still going to the movies and doing their thing and supporting it, go for it. You know, like that's awesome. It's still around. I just can't believe any series lasted that long. Right, I, we're on the same page. But I do have this for anybody listening and for you, Shane. There's only one movie that truly is Fast and Furious and solves the problem with racing to the entire trilogy or trilogy, the entire series. And it's Tokyo Drift. Is it Tokyo? See, I think I watched like half of it. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> if you watch, it. if you watch Tokyo Drift, it starts with a, it starts with a, it starts with a street race that goes wrong, gets arrested, gets sent to Japan, has a problem around cars, gets wrapped in with the Yakuza, solves the problem with the street race. It's the only one actually about racing. I was say that sounds true to form, at least to what it should be, in the title there. Yeah. All right. So all right, that one, although. Maybe not the most popular in this the whole series. That one does what it's supposed to. Right, and I, so I always tell people, I'm like, the only one that was actually accurate to the name, and it's not even the first one. <laughs> I was to say you had to wait like two or three to get there, right? Yep, and it wasn't even planned. It's just because of Vin Diesel and uh, oh, just Paul Walker just didn't want to do another one. Just I was gonna say so. they weren't even in it, right? It was like a totally different story. Yeah, Vin Diesel showed up all for like ten minutes, and not even ten minutes, <laughs> like two minutes in the end. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't even make it that far. I guess I have to put that back on the list. You got to put it on the list and just remember, don't watch it as in like, oh, this is going to be a great movie. Watch it as in, wow, this is a true Fast and Furious movie. Like, I, I, I could do that. I could, you know, gear the attitude as I'm watching it. So it's fair. All for science. All for science. <laughs> so we talked about Forrest Gump. We talked about watch your favorite movie. We talked about its impact on you. Um, I'm, I'm, I have to say it's it's. It's surprising and different, and I'm very happy to happy to have a little surprising and different uh, that it was not so big on your music. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like I shock a lot of people with that one. I, I you shocked me, but it's it's a nice shock because it's you know the question I usually like try to ask with it, and I, I you know the ADHD and the uh, fact that I don't do any scripting of this if nobody couldn't tell you uh, is that I never ask it the exact same way. So I'm like, oh, is it affected your life? and music or in and so it did affect your life obviously as absolutely we, as, as we touched on um did not affect your music and it's a nice no. it's a nice change it's kind of cool i'm not gonna lie yeah you know i i every now and again i revisit that genre i'm like i missed something and every time i'm like it's just not not for me i don't know ah uh, dude i like it 
So let's take these last couple of minutes and let's catch up on Say What You Will. Tell me what you got yeah. doing. Any new music, any shows? Absolutely. Your moment. I appreciate that. Yeah. So we have the Summer Shoreland Festival coming up uh, July 15th in Connecticut in East Haven at the Beer Racks. We played the first uh, annual one last year. We were fortunate to be asked to play again this year. Uh, we're super excited for it. Um, so I'm not sure when this is going to air, but I'm sure it'll probably be before then at some point. So if anybody's in the area and you can come down to that, there are so many awesome people that are going to be there. A lot of vendors as well. Um, TJ of Mighty Tortuga is really kind of putting the whole thing together. Uh, he's crushing it. It's, it's going to be amazing. Um, super, super excited for it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's our big kind of summer show coming up. We've definitely taken a step back from booking a ton of different shows to try and make sure that the ones that we do play. Um, we have as much energy and positivity as possible for it. Uh, we are in the process of writing a bunch of new music right now, which we're super excited about. I, we, I don't know about you with, with your band, but for us, it's like we have different kind of like modes. We're in creative mode right now, for sure. Um, not so much the performance mode, but creative mode. And we are definitely, we're sitting down, we're trying to write some new stuff that reflects kind of where we all are within, you know, we all take something different genre wise into uh, the music that we write. And we're actually revisiting some old songs too and, and re-recording some stuff to see if we can kind of get some life back into some things that we loved very early on in Say What You Will, but it didn't really get the attention that we could have given it. So we are kind of doing that as well, which has been a really fun process to take something that has been around since pretty much day one and make it, more so who we are now that we've kind of figured our sound out. I love that. And I love that you mentioned to you that we all, you, you all bring in different, you know, walks of style of music. Cause I know Christine is in a ska band. I yeah. Ethan, Ethan is doing acoustic covers where he's doing like Ed Sheeran songs and you know, Brian, Brian, Brian's the emo. <laughs> <laughs> My guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and Chris on drums is into a lot of the metalcore stuff, right? So we, and you know, me again, having the weirdest background of all with everything all mixed together. So we do bring in a lot of stuff, you know, we try to all have some sort of influence in the songs that we write. Um, Brian and Chris are both very, very good at uh, the recording side of things and the producing side of things. So we bounce a lot of our ideas off of them to try and bring them to life. Um, you know, Ethan, as you said, very big into pop and country and that kind of aspect of stuff right now. And he brings a lot of that into the energy that he gives with the songs that we're, we're working on. And it's really cool to kind of see all of the influence that comes through. Again, Christine being in other bands as well, Ska always being a big background for her. We bring in a lot of different stuff. We hope it translates well. I know sometimes it, it doesn't always, we're sitting there like, okay, we need to tighten this up a little bit. But um, it's it's really been a lot of fun to try and have that challenge of meshing essentially five different styles into one. You guys do a good job at it. You guys have always had a very unique, clean sound. Um, you bring great live show energy. You always have. And thank you. Guys you are just, thank you. You're you're a tight, awesome, all around band, and I'm so happy to know you guys. And you be a fan and to see you play live and to get to play with you. So, oh, dude, we appreciate that so much. I mean, we've again. I think the and I'm sure you would agree, probably in your own way. I think the the coolest thing I've been doing this. I'm 32, going to be 33 years old in the fall. I've been doing this since I was 14, 15 years old playing shows and moving around doing it and everything. But the coolest part is the fact that a lot of the people that I talk to every day, a lot of my friends come from the music scene and aren't even all from Connecticut. And I think that's, what's really awesome is that you took a really awkward 14, 15 year old 
and now I'm a really awkward 32 year old, but the fact remains that I was able to make a lot of good friends, um, off of something like this. I mean, I think that's the coolest thing. It's not, you know, yeah, we want to play the big shows and play with larger bands and make sure people are having a good time singing along. We want to write music that not just we're enjoying, but other people are enjoying. But at the end of the day, like I, I made some really awesome friends in the process and I, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't say it better myself. I mean, the same deal. I mean, here we are right now. We've known yeah. each other for how many years now? Dude, so many years. So, but um, no, it's awesome. And when you guys are back in uh, performance mode, I think we should uh, link up for you know maybe some shows, maybe maybe a little weekend run or something. You know, get something going. Absolutely, man. One hundred percent. Listen, performance mode is not that far away, and we tend to switch back and forth more than we probably should. So, we're we're always looking for stuff, and definitely we want to hit the road with you guys again because it's been so long. Definitely, and we'd love to we'd love to talk. We'd love to make that happen. I think the, it's been a year. I think actually, I think the last time we played was uh, that show in Massachusetts. Yeah, I was gonna say we were just talking about that not too long ago. Yeah, the show in Mass was that was a cool one. I've never been to that venue before. That was awesome. A lot yeah. of fun. So. Yeah. All right, man. I'll let you. I'll let you uh, get out of here. I know you have um, a new a newborn at home. I so. do. He is sleeping currently, but we'll see how long that lasts. Well, for for your sake, I hope all night. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Have a good one, man. Awesome, buddy. Thank you so much.